Bilateral relations between China and the Philippines started way back in the 10th century. Goods were bartered through lashed log boats called balangays. During the colonial era of the 16th century, manpower from China would help build forts and churches. Some of these infrastructure still stand today, reminding us of how the Pearl of the Orient Seas was once a prized Spanish colony. Chinese immigrants grew exponentially that Spanish governor Luis Perez das Marinas built a permanent settlement for Chinese immigrants in Binondo, making it the world's first Chinatown in 1954. Over the decades that follow, Chinese influence would meld into the Filipino culture through interracial marriages, giving birth to Chinese mestizos. Even our national hero, Jose Rizal, had ancestry that can be traced back to an affluent Chinese family in Baliwag, Bulacan. To this day, several Filipino Chinese tycoons have built their business empires in the Philippines, but not a lot of Filipinos have made the same success in China. As the sleeping giant wakes up into a technological revolution, manufacturing almost anything from gadgets and gizmos to cucumber-flavored potato chips, is it possible for the hopes and dreams of an aspiring overseas Filipino worker can also be tagged and labeled Made in China? Hello cuties and welcome to the 24th episode of Banana Q Podcast. In this episode, we try to understand life in China as a Filipino through an interview with an overseas Filipino worker who has first-hand experience of the subject. Our extra special guest, Earl Ermita, is a very good friend of mine from university who is often described by his cohorts as an inspiring speaker and an influential leader. And so without further ado, here's our conversation. Earl, how are you doing today? Hey, Ray. Uh, good afternoon or good morning or whatever to, to all the <laughs> listeners of Banana Q podcast. So yeah, I'm, I'm Earl Ermita. And then Toy, I'm, I'm really excited to be one of your guests in, in your podcast and, and very much uh, looking forward to share my experience also and how I've been working and, and how I've been living here in China. And to your question, how am I doing today? Well, I'm, I'm perfectly good. Today is also weekend and... Uh, here in China, we're also in an autumn, so it's a little colder nice. than, than, than the past few days. But, you know, um, I'm just staying home. I I went to the gym and, and now I'm I'm feeling a little refreshed. So I'm ready with the podcast then. <laughs> That's awesome. It seems like you are primed and ready. And maybe let's start off mm. by your transition to becoming an OFW. How did you get to know of this role and how was your experience like? moving from the philippines to china sure um actually um i have a different transition as an ofw mm. initially i wasn't really officially an ofw i was on a long-term assignment with my present company so i'm working for a buyer mm. uh, i've been with this company for more than five years now mm. um, i was um, given the opportunity to be on a long-term assignment um 
because one of the few things that's happening in China back then in 2018 yeah. was um, they're transferring some of the they're transferring the whole office of Shanghai mm. to Dalian, and that's where I'm based now in Dalian, and I was here supposedly for 16 months. Mm-hmm. Um, to be the team lead uh, for for accounts payable. So, and also at the same time, because everyone is quite new, also in in Dalian office, uh, in a way, I'm like an ambassador of what is the culture of the company, and to be able to to share and help establish also um, the the buyer culture back then. So, a- apart from my my actual assignment to be a to be a manage, manager for, for accounts payable, I was also doing a lot of cultural um, establishment in, in our new office. So that was my main role. And that's the reason why they gave me this long-term assignment opportunity. Mm. And and uh, and in the last year, they actually, during the end of my long-term assignment, they, they asked me to be hired here permanently wow. in Bayer, China. Congratulations. <laughs> that's when I really become an official OFW and and uh, I, I resigned in the our Philippine office and and now I'm officially working in our office here in in China so um this is quite an, an on a, on a career perspective um, I think that's quite uh, exciting for mm-hmm. me um and then transitioning to be an OFW so yeah so so that's that's my story on a career wise but it's also another ball game when we're talking about how I was able to really establish myself in in China. Mm. Um, and then there was a lot of factors that that, that I, I also need to consider mm. um, when I wanted to share with you guys. Um, number one, when I was also transferring from uh, Manila to China for my long term assignment, uh, there's all the usual paperwork, right? It's yeah. like the visa, all the invitation, so on and so forth. So in China, uh, it, it's not as easy as the usual visa that you would think of. Mm. So come to think of it, if, if you're getting a visa for a business trip, just like a long-term assignment to US or maybe to Germany, yeah. this one is so different and much more complicated. Okay, how so? <laughs> well, I believe they also tried to restrict people coming in ah, um, right. and in yeah. China. So they, they also wanted to leverage what are the career talents that they have in in China because there's also a lot of people here um and they also yeah they they also wanted to control that so whoever are coming into China mm. for for business trips or for for an assignment in a way it must be like an exception that the company would really be able to back it up gotcha so so it took quite a long time for our uh, company agency to finish everything um supposedly i was scheduled to be in China in April 2018 Mm. Uh, to start my assignment but i officially transferred uh in june so imagine Mm. april (laughs) may june so that's a delay of three months but the paperwork actually started like january february so that's how long it took your story is rather different right because at least you have the company helping you imagine if you had to do it on your own i can just imagine mm. it would be extended beyond the three to six months that you're uh, describing yes that's mm. right that's right so so it was also a mixture of luck that my, my company is backing me up and mm. we have an agency doing that 
But of course, the waiting time that mm-hmm. you are also anticipating to be there and, and and how you're also transitioning from your current role and supposedly to the new one. Mm. So in, in a way, I felt a little bit on the limbo mm. uh, during the time that, you know, that I needed to transfer. So, but nonetheless, we, we took an interim solution. Mm. Um, so I was going back and forth as a business trip for like, seven days or 14 days hmm. uh, from Manila to Shanghai to be exposed also on the current office in Shanghai. Awesome. So I was yeah, I was doing um, two official business trips before I uh, transferred to Dalian. So. The company is serious in sending you as a long-term assignment because you've already had two business trips and you know your company also kind of have that support all the way yes i, I believe so but but even though uh Ray, i've also known some of the foreigners here in china mm. um they, they also agree with me that the paperwork is really one of the tedious part of processing and going here gotcha. um i believe most of their school records mm. will have to be authenticated or there's also what they call like a red ribbon or or like to put a ribbon on it, I, I don't know what's the official name. <laughs> that but... sounds like a big shop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but but there's there's a lot of authentication that needs to be done. And from what I hear, mm. our agent in Manila, actually, they did a business trip to Cebu to come to San Carlos Ooh. just to... <laughs> just to just to authenticate or or you know get the TOR also from from our. Uh, school record so it, it really took quite a long time for them that's crazy you, you see how how much dedication <laughs> and effort was put in to to send you to to shanghai and dalian it's really that's really crazy yes, it's amazing yes. that story is really inspiring um you know not a lot of people will have that opportunity because in your case your company saw your potential saw your talent and is willing to invest in you sending you to that migration project from shanghai to dalian and not a lot of people would get that. And I think, you know, that's, that's something really inspiring. And I hope people listening to this conversation would realize that it's not the only way to becoming an OFW is through your own efforts. But if you have a company who has, you know, yes. offices around the world, there is always that possibility. And, you know, of course, opportunities Correct. will come. And, you know, if that opportunity comes and you're already recognized by the company as someone who has talent, then you would probably be on the short list. Correct. Correct. I, I totally agree with you, uh, Nantoy. Um, mm. To be honest, it was also interesting how I got this opportunity because mm. uh, back in Manila, I was also, um, there was an open position for a global uh, innovation, mm. uh, like a global innovation lead uh, for, for the shared service centers that we have. Mm. So all the centers. Um, and I was one of the interviewees. Ooh. So I was <laughs> I was competing with someone also from Gidangs. So there's the two of us that's going to be interviewed for that open position. Mm. And it was the head of the whole shared service center based okay. in Germany Ooh. and also the head of HR for, for our shared service center interviewing both of us. So I had that opportunity and I was also on, uh, 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 it was very, uh, I was highly pressured back then, of <laughs> course, because I, I believe I was, <laughs> I was representing Manila Center yeah. back then. So I, I really tried to do my best as well. But at the end, um, I didn't get the opportunity. Oh. So I, I did not get the opportunity. Um, the, the person in Gedans was the one mm. who got the global role. But, but, because our head and uh, our head of the shared service center back then mm. 
really like me, mm. but I they just thought that I lack the experience of um, being based in other countries. So how how can they really prove that I can adapt to a new culture? If if I'm taking a global role mm. back then, I really need to see through, you know, no, not just within Manila, but how how am I able to adapt to different cultures? So they really see that one thing that I really need to to have as an opportunity is uh, to experience working outside the country, which I didn't have back then. So it was a mandate from the head of our shared <laughs> service center mm. <laughs> or a rec- high recommendation for, for them that please give this opportunity to Earl mm. because we want to develop him. So, you know, sometimes you don't take the, the opportunity you thought you would really want to have. Yeah. But in the end, you are actually routed to an, to another thing that's probably better. So so yeah. And and for me, that's that's how I came to have this opportunity as well. A lot of successful people did not happen to be successful overnight. And in your case, one door closed, but another one opens. Right? It's always yes. a a constant influx. It comes and it goes. And exactly. you know, just don't get discouraged if something does not happen your way. I, I really believe. Um, that everything happens for a reason. So mm. where I am <laughs> mm. and what what the opportunities I, I miss or I took, you know, it leads me to where I am right now. So, yeah. Gotcha. And right. then getting that opportunity to move to, to Dalian probably is just the first hurdle because I can imagine yes. you as a Filipino living in a country for number one, <laughs> I think has a very different language. And number two, Culturally, yes. th- there are differences, and I, w- I want to know how did you manage? Did you study ahead, and h- how did you cope with living differences in culture and language? Sure. To add to the complication, uh, Nento, mm. I would also like to tell you that in our office here in Dalian, mm-hmm. I'm the only foreigner. <gasps> oh, so, <laughs> so out of the, <laughs> I am the only foreigner in our office here in Dalian. But but we do have our offices in Beijing and Shanghai, mm-hmm. where where because our company is headquartered also in in um, Germany, so there's a lot of Germans mm. who are also taking the leads in in Beijing and Shanghai office. But in Dalian, I'm the only foreigner. So imagine, mm. <laughs> and, and out of 400 plus employees that we have here, I'm, I'm the only foreigner. So it's it's really hard mm. at the very beginning, um, most especially. Um, Dalian is a tier two city mm-hmm. um, in in China. So even in Beijing, Shanghai, you wouldn't be walking out in the street and hearing people uh, naturally speak English. Yeah. It isn't the case. Um, you will be you will hear them if you are exposed also in the corporate community mm. or, or so so. But but much more how it is in also in the tier two cities uh, where there's also limited foreigners yeah. um, residing. So. So it was difficult for me at the very beginning. And mm. I had, um, back then, I had 11 team members. Okay. And only three of them, <laughs> only three of them can speak very good English. And oh. the rest, is almost none. But I tried, I, I really tried to communicate with them. So for me, when we're talking about communication, mm. language is number one. Mm. But there are also other ways when you're communicating with people. Maybe your expression, 
Mm-hmm. And one thing that I really learned in the past, it's all about sincerity. Mm. And you'll learn what they think and how they think. Mm. And, you know, at the end of the day, when you try to do that and be consistent in, in your pursuit to really understand them, mm. uh, you will be able to communicate successfully. So um, I think for me, trying to talk to the people more mm. and, and not just, you know, not just talking about the language, but also they're uh, taking in the context context clues or also the 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 way they are speaking to you so you you have to you have to adapt to also and then be more sensitive mm. on, on what they're trying to say but of course number one as i said language is really also important i'm not very good in chinese mm. I, i can speak a little mm. um the practical ones it will turn as a good advantage if you can speak mm. chinese definitely But you know, go beyond the language. That communication also can can be in other ways. But one funny thing, though, mm-hmm. I, I may look like a, an Italian here because <laughs> whenever I speak, I also <laughs> I become so animated here. <laughs> so imagine me waving my hands. You know, ah, oh, yeah, let's eat, let's eat, or. <laughs> it's a lama or is I like have you eaten so I always like you know showing them like ah or or, or <laughs> I'm waving my hands as if like I'm eating so <laughs> your daily life is like so, uh, charades you're like acting uh, what you want to convey charades yes yes, yes charades charades <laughs> exactly is there any cultural context as well that you've realized are very different from a Filipino to to a Chinese and cultural context that people need to be more sensitive with when when they are traveling to China? Ah, sure, sure, sure. That's true. That's true. There's a lot of cultural differences, but there's also a lot of cultural similarities. I believe Mm. as Filipinos, especially for us and uh, Cebuanos, where also there's a lot of a Chinese community And then nice. even our classmates back then, right? I, I believe so. So in a way, we're a little bit exposed on the Chinese culture, which mm. I think works as an advantage if you're a Filipino working also in in China. Um, mm. But yeah, um, there there are some culture shock moments as you may speak about it, but very little to be honest. Like probably I can I can list down some things. One thing that I didn't like at the very beginning was on the street when you're walking. Although not all the time, though, but it's it's quite common, you know. Um, <laughs> it's their mannerism, or I don't know. It's 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 their habit to like spit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> spit <okay>. like <laughs> yeah. So so sometimes when you're hearing the when you're hearing them. <sighs> Doing that's like oh oh my god oh my god what's gonna happen <laughs> so 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 for me it was like um, you shouldn't be doing that in public so so mm. so that was also a shocker for me but but I believe I all the foreigners also have the same kind of comments um, that mm. everything is fine except that <laughs> but but that's <laughs> on the bad side though. <laughs> We do have that in 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 my experience in Cebu as well. Some people do that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's really quite common here. And then, yeah, uh, maybe the drinking sessions and mm. team buildings, if you're attending. Mm. This is also quite interesting. They also have different regional culture, I believe. So mm. where I am seated, Dalian, is the mm. northeast northeastern part of China. So we're closer mm. to Korea, Japan, And Russia. Ah, gotcha. So, so, so this part of China is a little bit colder than the other areas of of China, um, but they also have different culture, different kinds of food. You know, mm. when I came here, I thought, oh, 
I love talking by the way when I was in the Philippines and also dim sum break and and Harbor City in in Cebu so I always love Chinese food so I was really excited to come to China and mm. then realizing that when I came here I I didn't have the dim sum that I I like <laughs> so it's <laughs> so it's totally different yeah I see so I can imagine <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah for 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 sometimes like drinking session they're really heavy drinkers in the northeastern part or they call it dong bay mm. region um so when i was joining some of my chinese friends it's like you're not even allowed to rest and everyone has to drink all at the same time if you mm. see people drinking they're already on the sixth on their sixth bottle you have to be on your sixth bottle as well You have you know? to catch up. <laughs> yes, you have to catch up, and then they they really have to, and they they will push you to to hurry up. So, mm. but it, it's quite interesting. I always share to them that in in the Philippines we have a different culture. We call it tagay. So mm. for them it's also taboo, and and tagay having one, you know, glass to share by everybody. Mm-hmm. So it, for for them it's also quite interesting. But nonetheless, for for. Dongbei here in Indalian, mm. really heavy drinkers. For, for so so, I, I need to catch up also, and I <laughs> I know how to drink, <laughs> how to drink well with them as well. And there's also one famous drink here in China. They call it Baiju. Baiju, okay. Baiju is really really strong. It's like vodka, the level of the alcohol, but it's mm. really spicy or mm. it, it's quite spicy. So when when you drink it, you will really mm. feel it going down your stomach. So Um, it's strong as vodka, but with with a little bit more character. So it's quite Baiju. interesting. So Baiju, yes. Yeah, and beer is like Pijo, is it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Bin Pijo. Bing Pijo is like ice cold mm. beer. <laughs> mm, gotcha. So normally, do you drink Baiju or Bin Pijo? Recently, being Pinju, but I, I usually enjoy now Putaojo, Putaojo, which is wine. I see that you're moving towards the healthier kind of alcohol, which is important. Maybe because growing up. maybe because we're aging. <laughs> <laughs> maybe because we're aging, <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, the every time we have drinking session, the following morning is a pain, right? We there's always that yes. guilt. I've consumed a lot of calories, and and now I have to. Shut this all down, and our metabolism is not improving by the day. So it, it really is important to be more conscious of our consumption. Correct, correct. <laughs> and and food, by the way, this is one yeah one of my culture shock and uh, toy um, food mm. because we always have serving spoons, mm-hmm. right? Mm. But here we don't have serving spoons, so. <laughs> For me, at the very beginning, oh my God, this is not good. This is not good. <laughs> Why are they doing that? But but, in the end of at the end of the day, it's okay. I mean, you're you're with the mm. people that you know and you're working with, so I think it's fine. Mm. So I got used to it. So you're good now with chopsticks, right? You must have been like inculcated with the chopsticks culture. Yes, yes, I mm. can eat fish with bones using chopsticks. Mm. Wow, <laughs> master level. <laughs> We also have the Chinese mm. New Year here, just like any other Asian countries. We do mm. celebrate Chinese New Year, but here yeah. in the mainland China, it's really quite big, and, and it's like um, spanning to more days compared to the other Asian countries, right? So here mm. we really spend like seven or more days to to celebrate Chinese New Year, and just like oh, Christmas wow. for us. Just like Christmas for us, it will already start even before the actual week of the 
Chinese New Year. So mm. building the anticipation. So that's what I think. It's quite similar for us mm. Filipinos. We have a different dates, but how mm. we celebrate it, like the the excitement, like people giving gifts. But here we have Hongbao to share through mm. WeChat and Alipay. So, so <laughs> that's that's it's the same concept of of being or or sharing or celebrating yeah, with family and friends. Right. But for me, um, added to what I mentioned of the WeChat and Alipay. This mm. is also one of the biggest advantage that China has. Mm. I don't yeah. bring cards. I don't bring money, wallet. This is one of the best things you'll experience here in China. And I think this has become the the sense of living here. And, and uh, I, I'm just really amazed on how they do uh, cashless payments. Even the vendors um, before uh, when when the churches are still open before pre pandemic, mm. um, when I wanted to buy fruits by the side street. When I gave out hundred RMB to the mm. to the vendor, she she was like, oh, oh my god, it's like it's my first time again to see money. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> so so you would see it in her face, like why are you giving me money? It's like <laughs> because you will wow. see that the Q the the QR codes is just like there, and and everyone mm. just uses QR codes here to pay WeChat and Alipay. Yeah, so so yeah. it's very convenient. The level of automation is crazy. Mm. It is, it is. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things that I helped me in, in, in the living here in China. Everything mm. is so convenient. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking about cashless payments. I'm talking mm. about shopping. The shopping here, I know online shopping is not something new, but this is on a different level. Right. <laughs> the, the online shopping here, it's like, um, if there are two competing shopping, uh, online shopping companies here, it's like Taobao, which is the mm. most famous one, and Jingdong. Yeah. Jingdong uh, is also mm. faster than Taobao because they also have their own warehouses around China. And sometimes if I order before 10 um, a.m., it can mm. arrive in the afternoon. So wow. imagine how fast the delivery is. And then in, in Taobao, on the other hand, we mm. have this funny joke that we always say, if you cannot find anything you want in Taobao, it's your problem. It's not Taobao's problem <laughs> because you can <laughs> because you can find anything in Taobao. Even Filipino stuff. That's yes. amazing. You're searching something, an item that's not in Taobao. Probably your preference is too old or you're outdated, and that's why it's no longer <laughs> yes. available. It's in your Taobao. problem. That's, that's it's crazy. not Taobao's problem. <laughs> Thank you for sharing all of these things. These are really insightful. Like not a lot of people who have, who are on the ground in China are able to share at the level of how a, a Filipino perceives it. Because honestly, I don't know a lot of people um, who who are Filipinos and at the same time, you know, living and working in, in China. So greatly appreciate your, your help this time, Earl. And I just want to ask one last question. If you were to give advice pieces of information that would be helpful for Filipinos who are interested in in moving to China, perhaps through their um, existing companies, or if they are really want to, you know, be an OFW independently in China, what, what advice sure. would you give them before coming? Sure, sure. I, I have some few things that I want people to also consider. But mm. um, I would before before I share that, Nantoy, I would just like mm. to share also that before I have a different conception of, of China, um, mm. but now I have a different level of respect, 
and mm. and I see and and I'm very much impressed on on how China has built into this mega country also, and yeah. and uh, I when when I told you before when I was traveling to Shanghai, I I've been to fourteen different countries or location if if I need to be politically correct, um, mm. and and I really think Shanghai is probably top one or top two of my mm. modern cities because yeah. it's it's just like really um it's really advanced and modern so so I, I'm, i'm really amazed how china has built um their 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 superpower as of the moment and because mm. also people has adapted um to new technologies um and and they they can even put it in a scale that everyone will be able to use it right because yeah, sometimes technology is available um sometimes technology is available in in the country but it's very expensive but mm. here they made it like everyone can use it i can relate to that china is able to execute effectively efficiently in a mm. very big scale if they decide Correct. that hey this is the future they are really putting everything big investments just so that will happen and if you compare that with how other countries you know there's always political gridlock there's a lot of debates fewer developments if you compare it to how you know the magnitude and the efficiency china is doing their investments yes i couldn't agree more with you and mm-hmm. that's so true and and yeah um having to say that i think mm-hmm. one of my tips also for those people who wanted to relocate or work here in china is mm. have an open mind have an open mm. mind because um when i came here that different conception was totally changed also but mm. but for myself um i i didn't put any certain expectations of course i i put myself like okay i need to be guarded a little bit because of what people have has been telling me but i also mm. tried to when, when i came here I, i told myself that i just want to experience it and i need to see it for myself and and uh, so have an open mind when you're coming to china because that's where you really get to appreciate what the country is able to offer for you also so have right. an open mind and then number two, when you're transferring here in china also start to build communities put yourself out there do not be constricted within your work boundaries you can also mm. build communities what i'm trying to say is when i came here in china one of the few things because i'm also religious and then i i really ask where the church is so mm. during my first few days here i attended the church and even volunteered to be a lector and uh, and and i found my community of some of the foreigners there and even filipino teachers and those filipinos it filipinos who are working here in china um wow. and i found i i found them there in the church so mm. It was a really good community because we see each other on a Sunday, attend the mass, and eat together. And they became my mentors. And how I was able to really adapt to to my place, it's because of them. They really helped me a lot. So build communities and then start to to go out there and and get to know more Filipinos. And then once you are well exposed, then you can mm. also find which group you are most comfortable with and then you can try to be more consistent with them and, and be friends with them and, and they become your family eventually that's number two, build communities mm. and uh, number three, i think it's it's mm. not uh, a surprise china is also a very strict country um mm. so 
my own my, my advice to you is just stay within the law for example if you're coming <laughs> to china <laughs> if you're mm. coming to china this is the visa that you have that you are supposed mm. to work as like this um try to be within that i, I understand that we also wanted to earn more um mm. but but of course i also know a case or, or some of um our friends here who also got to experience that because they wanted to earn more and they also tried to do some sidelines. So, um, <laughs> and, but, but, you know, uh, eventually that person was, was caught. So was also deported. So it, it's a sad story, you know, and you understand the person because their, their backstory, but at the end of the day, just stay within the law because yeah. you know it, it, you don't want things bad things to happen to you as well. So yeah, yeah. So that's number three and number four. Mm. Um, just like in any other country, I think it's also good that um, you are clear on what kind of value you give um, mm. for myself to my company. For example, you know, um, maybe one of the reasons that when I came here on an LTA, it was clear that what my objective is. And um, but I was also uh, putting myself some pressure to tell like, OK, what kind of value do I, uh, that I can bring to my company now that I am here in China? So I've, I've been trying to, to prove myself also of the worthiness of why I was transferred here. And then mm. I, wh- wh- why I was assigned here, and eventually um, the management saw that, and and uh, they even wanted me to stay. Now they they wanted to take care of me because they want to keep me here. So nice. I think you know it's it's also a Filipino pride that like you know I'm a Filipino and I wanted to do my best here. Yeah. And and I think um, here in China, if you have proven yourself enough, people will also look up to you. For me, those are the four tips. Have an open mind, because China can change um, your 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 conception also, especially when you're here. Because whatever you mm. see in the negative uh, in media is so negative. So yeah, be here, be here, and experience it. And then number mm. two, build the communities. Um, and and um, number three, stay within the law. And number four, finally, prove yourself enough and and just do your best. And I think wh- whenever you do your best, wherever country you're you're you will be in they will try to take care of you and keep you as much as they can because you're giving them value as well so wow that's my advice Nanto. i hope i was able to inspire <laughs> a lot of people also and uh, i I, th- I think you have and and you have inspired me listening just by listening to you right now that those were really powerful words and thank you very much earl for spending your time with us today and if people want to know you more, where can they find you? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Interesting. Instagram, mm. maybe. Instagram, Instagram. Earl mm-hmm. Ermita. Yeah. Earl Ermita, E-A-R-L-E-R-M-I-T-A. So mm. at Earl Ermita. And then in Facebook, it's the same. It's also Earl Ermita. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Earl. I'll probably put some links uh, on the description to, to link to your profile so that if people want to ask more questions about you know living and and working in china they can easily get to your page again thank you very much for for today no problem thanks a lot nantoy i hope the listeners uh, was able to get something also from what i shared today and yeah enjoy the rest of the day everyone thank you bye